please make sure you go over to YouTube, subscribe, or you can always find us on any of the podcast platforms, and that's Fostering Change. Well, you know, it's so hard to believe that as we have gone through the year, there's so many amazing things that we can talk about when it comes to adoption and foster care. You know, when I first started this podcast three seasons ago, I was kind of concerned that I wasn't going to be able to have enough content to go season after season. And now we're in season three, and I am so excited about my next guest. You know, I was actually telling, telling David, our producer, that it's so great when you get to interview someone who you consider your friend. Um, my friend Marcy has done so many amazing things. And by the way, um, there are things that I didn't even realize she did that we're going to all talk about. But ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Marcy Bursack. Marcy, welcome to Foster and Change. Thank you. And hello, everyone. I'm so thrilled to be here. It's nice to finally like talk with the camera on to one another. It's such a treat. Yeah, so we started this last season where people wanted to see our guest, and I'm an animated person as it is, so they wanted to definitely see um, us, so we do have a YouTube channel that um, we actually air this. Again, everybody can listen to it on all this, uh, the podcast platforms, but I love the fact that I get to see you, and they get to see you, and we get to talk. Listen, I want to dive right in. Um, the Forgotten Adoption Option. You know, this book, um, I actually read this book. Um, it's an easy read, everybody, by the way, just to let you know, it's an easy read, but what an education tool um, that I think people need to know about. Because when Reese and I decided to adopt, start the, the journey, I should say, um, we had no knowledge whatsoever. We did not know anything when it came to adopting through foster care and you actually gave this a manual so what made you decide to write this well and it's interesting so if people like to read they can read i actually have it in an audiobook format so anywhere whether it's your library or apple or whoever you listen to audiobooks on uh, even on audible it's a 90 minutes so i've had many people they're like marcy just sat down for the afternoon but what happened is in the midst of the pandemic for whatever reason i became keenly aware of marketing all around me because I guess we all were kind of like only on our screens right there wasn't like really real life happening in the, in the old way and I started getting really frustrated that I wasn't seeing marketing for the children that were like mine that were like yours that were waiting to be adopted and I just kind of was like shaking my fist like oh someone should do something about this it's such a missed opportunity and after I guess a couple of weeks of that that spun into maybe I should do something and so I had been having conversations, Rob, and maybe this has happened to you as someone that adopted through foster care. Um, my husband and I were told it was a four month process once our kids were with us. At month nine, it was going nowhere and there was no end in sight. And I thought, well, why on earth did I elect to adopt? I could have done this biologically and had a very different outcome at nine months potentially, right? And so at that time we had blogged what we were going through as a way to be like, maybe this is why it's supposed to take forever. And so we had two ground rules, no bad talking to bio family, and we're not going to disclose why our kids were in care. We felt like those weren't details that were fair for us to be the ones to communicate, right? And so in the process, we had a lot of interest and friends and family and people that we didn't know would reach out and say, hey, since I know you did this, can you teach me how? So pre-pandemic, you'd come in my home for an hour or two, I'd spill the whole thing. It felt like I was barfing 54 steps, like, okay, follow this whole instruction guide, right? But Rob, time and time and time again, people left my home and they went and did it. And so it was like, they just didn't know how. And so during the pandemic, I thought, well, I can't, I, I had a few of those 
visits, but they were virtual like this again. But I was like, how do I scale this? There are way more kids to help. That, like It's 115,000 right now, right? And so I decided to give myself the goal of writing it in a month because I had kind of started two years prior and never finished. And 25 days later, I had the manuscript. And what was really wonderful about it is I had a new neighbor move in. And as we got acquainted, I explained I adopted my kids through foster care. I'm very open about that because I think that's a great way to recruit others to learn about it and tell their friends, right? And she said, well, I'd love to learn how to do that. Can you, can you teach me? And I said, you can be one of my editors. And so I got to write it to someone that had no idea any of the system and, and the vocabulary. And so that's kind of how it became what it is. And what's cool, Rob, is now I've had families, whether they're motivated by infertility or this is what they wanted to do, whatever the story has been that's kind of led them to foster care adoption. I, I had um, a couple, I love this. They're almost licensed. They're about to get matched with their children. And they said, Marcy, did you know that we've been having dinner together for the past month? And I was like, no, I, I didn't know that we've been having dinner together. And they said, your book has been sitting on our table. And so every night at dinner, as we've gone through class, as we've gone through our assignments to get licensed, we flipped through the book because you told us exactly what to do. You told us what was next. You told us what was going to happen. And they were like, we've just had this companion with us this whole time to help us know what to do. Because I mean, Rob, you've been through this. It, it's, it's hard to know what's next and it's not really a written formula, but I kind of sifted that out and made it into something that you could rinse and repeat. Yeah, I definitely will have to tell you, Marcy, I was um, pretty impressed with, you know, how you did lay it out step by step. Well, um, how long ago did you and your husband start the process with your children? Well, we, okay, the short answer is my daughter is 10, almost 11, and we got licensed, or I should say we met each other when she was almost three, so about seven years ago. Yes. However, to me, I think, Rob, what really has motivated even like, why do I care about this space? Why do I care about sharing the how? Well, one, there's more children than I could possibly ever adopt. But two, when my husband and I got married, even before we got married, we talked about family expansion. And I said, hey, it might be a deal breaker. I really want to adopt. I've, I've gone overseas. I've seen orphanages. And he said, I do too. My grandfather at age seven was orphaned and, and never got adopted. And so we shared this commonality. And he said, I have one request and that's that the children be from the United States. And I was like, I have no idea how to do this because our heart was to get non-babies, like to get older kids. So Rob, really for me, it was, well, I, I didn't, we took us five years to figure out like, where do you even, how, how do you even do that? Right. right. Like, where do you start it? And then to find out that the cost of it is really affordable. It's zero to $2,500 a kid where most people think I could never adopt. It's so expensive. Well, some methods like international and infant adoption are tens of thousands of dollars, but foster care adoption is highly affordable. So, you know, I have to like um, throw the first wrench into the um, conversation because that was not our experience. Um, for my husband and I, 13 years ago, when we decided to be parents, um, we wanted to adopt. I wanted to adopt overseas, by the way, as a kid who grew up in the foster care system. I did not want, as I would say to my husband, one of those kids. My husband reminded me that I was one of those kids. And um, he's really smart, by the way, compared to me. And so um, we ended up having our first two children arrive. And three months later, we had two more children arrive. But it ended up costing us a little over $65,000 to adopt our children. I'm very open about it in our book. Um, and that was because we were two white gay men trying to adopt four children of color. And what I love is that 
I'm talking to people who now are experiencing what my husband and I experienced, and that's not the way it is any longer. So I'm so happy to see that you are right where it's that zero to 25. But I want people to know, as you've read my book, A Forever Family, that, you know, it wasn't like that for us. And, and I do have to say something. I want to back up because something that you said that if I regret doing, and I have said this in public form, you know, I did write a memoir. Um, I told my children as I was writing my memoir and my publishers and stuff were, you know, we were writing it. I did talk about my children, about their experience and how they came in. And, and now that my kids are in that teenage year, um, not that any of them have said, you know, dad, I wish you wouldn't have shared that part of my life. I do feel a little guilt. So I love that you said, you know, keep the, keep, keep, how they came into the system out of, you know, the way you talk about it. I love sure. that. But Rob, so much of parenting is trial and error, right? Like we don't know. I mean, to put my children, they're on the back of my book. It's a family photo. I, I asked them in advance. They were very young when that came, because their, their peer group at school didn't know. They were adopted before they entered the grade school system. And what I love is my son, who's a very compassionate child, just looked at me and said, mom, if I, if I say it's okay to put my face on the back, do you think that somebody might adopt a child because they'll see me? And I was like, yeah, because when it's, when you can see someone else do it, it normalizes it. Right. And he was like, well, then by all means, I want my photo on the back. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what my kids were like too, by the way. So when, when their chapter was being written, um, we set them down and we talked to them about it. And my kids were exactly like your son. They were like, if it's going to help one child, one child get adopted, then you know what? It's worth us telling our story. You know, you're part of the Dave Thomas Foundation um, and Rita is a friend of mine. And I love the fact that you're one of the ambassadors there. And by the way, way to go, Mrs. Ohio. Miss <laughs> you know, Miss America, when the heck do you find time for all of this? You're also Miss America, um, Mrs. Ohio from the American Well, sort of. So I'm, okay, this gets a little, the pageantry system has all sorts of flavors. So my okay. technical title is United States of America's Mrs. Ohio. So it's a different system, but yeah, I, I am a, an ambassador for the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. My work with the foundation was like 2014. My husband and I are trying to figure out, okay, we're going through licensing classes. How are we getting time off of work to do this? Like, are we going to have to exhaust the, the pay time off they already gave us? What are we supposed to do? And we Googled at the time and found Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption had templates that we could customize and present to our employer. Hi, I'd like to have some support here. I'd like that time off, maybe some money, depending upon how things unfolded. So it was kind of a natural progression when I wrote the forgotten adoption option in my, my one month of focus. One of my goals was, okay, if I'm going to do this the way that could be a big, scary goal, what would I want to do? And I, I put the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption high on, I want to talk to them about an endorsement. And so Rita was very excited to provide that and very supportive at the time. It was very out of the box. I know that like this random mom who adopted kids wanting to do this is, is different. But then what happened last summer, Rob, I, I did not grow up doing pageantry. I have worked in like the nonprofit arena for Dress for Success. So I, I've spent time in like that space, not, not in get dressed up, wear swimsuit and heels. Like that's not, that's not my DNA. But what happened last summer, Rob, is I was on the brink of leaving for vacation and again, like my, my frustration of like, why isn't someone doing this is I was like, okay, now that I've got this book and this wonderful way to help teach people as, as a, you know, all across the nation, I can, I, this can go everywhere and it has, which is amazing. But how do I change the perception? And you, you said it earlier, like, I don't want one of those kids, right? And I'm like, there's, 
some, you know, there's a little bit of truth to that in some ways. There, there are some behavioral things. The research shows that. The research shows adoption is full of that. Like that's just part of what happens. But I wanted to figure out a way to kind of rebrand what a foster child is. Like how, how do we help give these children the dignity and the respect that they deserve and the potential that if you were I and you were one of them, like but if I was one of these children, I would want people to look at me with potential and not, you know, write me off. And so it, it was at that point that I just felt like I was supposed to look into the pageant system which is super wild. Um, and then I asked the Dave Thomas Foundation for adoption. I said, look, I know I live in Missouri. You're in Ohio, I have this opportunity. And they said, Marcy, do they understand you don't, like you don't live here. And I was like, oh, I'm very aware. And I've, I've told my friends and family, I thought they'd call me crazy. No one did, they're all very, very supportive. And Rob, surprisingly, the foundation told me no one has ever done this before, yeah. which I think is such an incredible opportunity of like, how do you take a message to a positive light, right? So I've really enjoyed that that journey and being able to partner in even deeper ways because we've been doing stuff since 2014. So we're just doing like another Great. way to spread the, the work is the data. I don't know if you know this, the Day Thomas Foundation for Adoption had a research study come out this year from Harris Poll. And one of the key takeaways that I find really um, much an opportunity is that it shows only about 50% of adults are even aware that there's a need to adopt children from foster care. And, and from what I've been doing in the community and around the nation, I think part of what is a challenge to that is that people think of foster child through one lens and they think, oh, these are kids that need a temporary place to go and they're gonna move back with their biological family. And that's where the forgotten adoption option falls in because there's a second definition, right? There's the, I'm a child, I'm in a foster home because legally the state is my parent and I need someone to adopt me or I'm gonna age out. And I think that's where there's a huge opportunity is to help inform our nation that like there are kids that need us. Yeah, no, I agree. And and I'm so lucky. Rita was just on my podcast um, for, I think, the second time. She's such a good friend of mine, and I absolutely yeah. love her. And we're actually honoring her this October at our backyard barbecue. She's receiving the Barbara Harrison Award because she's such... She's so driven and she's just so passionate and, you know, and, and you are right, Marcy. I mean, the, the biggest thing that I've noticed and, and I'm like you, I didn't come from the nonprofit world. I'm a dot-com guy who, you know, um, all of a sudden find out that, you know, wait a minute, you know, what's going on here when it comes to kids in foster care? First thing I have to tell you, and I say this to all my guests, I think the biggest issue that we have is that we have to change the vocabulary. Um, the problem is, is when I say the word foster and I say the word foster child, the first thing that someone thinks of is bad. They think that a child's been put in a situation of something they did, you know, um, drugs, they think. And so what we've tried to do is try to change the narrative where we call these children who are in foster care. Because when you say the word child, your heart warms up a little bit. And so, um, but I will tell you, I have some really young um, miss teens and miss you know shenandoah valley and all this and they are starting to take the platform of our organization cover cases and the platform of, of of foster care in general because um i'll tell you right now the way this is going to change is children helping children okay children and and doing what you and i are doing listen i want to um take a quick break because there are some things i've highlighted in the book that i want you and i to talk about and um it's things that my guests know that i love to talk about because i think we all need to um really understand when it comes to foster care but before we take that quick break i have to say marcy little bird was one of my favorite books as a kid 
okay and you talk about little bird you know about that or who's my mother um are you my mother yeah yeah you are my little bird yeah and and i can i literally in my mind can etch because growing up in the system you know wanting that mom figure so bad i could i so you know that that to me i will never forget that listen everybody we're going to be right back we're going to continue this amazing conversation the book is the forgotten adoption option. Listen, I've had so many of you reach out to me and you ask me questions about foster care, adoption through foster care. You know that, you know, I just had an email just the other day. This is it, guys, I'm telling you, the forgotten adoption option, it is literally going to answer all the questions that you're going to need. And if you cannot find the answer, she gives you the resources where you can find them. So, you know, again, there's nothing I love more than a great conversation. And I remind each and every one of us that how we make a change within our community and our community of children in foster care is doing what my friend Marcy and I are doing today. And that's to talk about it. You know, the fact that our friend Rita had actually done um, with the Dave Thomas Foundation, they had done this um, research and f finding out that, you know, 50% of people don't even realize that children in care actually need permanent placement. You know, when Alex arrived in our home at the age of 18, Marcy, one of the things I remember saying to the court systems is that, you know, somebody asked me, why would I take a child in at the age of 18? And I reminded this person that every single child deserves a foundation. Every single child deserves to know that they are loved. And every single child deserves a forever family, you know? You do, because life doesn't end at 18, right? There's all these milestones in just life, like 18 to what, 80, somewhere in there. There's a lot of life there. Let me tell you something. My son is now 21 years old and I, he will be the first one to say, I can't imagine my life without my pops and my data. And so, you know, listen, I want to jump right into the book because there was one particular thing that you put in the book that I will have to tell you gave me a little thorn in my side. I'm going to bring it up. I, you know, I love to, I love to disagree to agree because we all Perfect. see something differently. So when I was a young kid in the system, um their respite was back in those days as well by the way respite's been around forever and when my children arrived from the system we had respite and um we were always asked to use respite and i the more research i did i remember what it felt like to be a little kid so i want to put you into a situation and not ever growing in the system and not i can't imagine you and your husband actually used respite but you know i used to the bio family would want to go on vacation and they would take me and drop me off at the respite house or, you know, and I hear this from kids all over the country. I meet kids everywhere. And one of the things that hurt their hearts so much is respite because all of a sudden they've been put into this family who they think is their family. And then all of a sudden they find out that they're going on vacation and because our courts are so antiquated and we can't take kids past 50 miles and we can't, they all of a sudden go to another stranger's house I don't think respite should happen. So I never said respite should happen. I just showcased that it's a possibility. That you didn't, by the way. I have to give her credit, everybody. She did not, when you read this, she never, she was just educating us about it. You were educating. I want to know how you feel about it. Well, so what's interesting is I became aware of respite because my husband and I, so just in case people are joining and they're like, Rob, I don't have any idea what we're talking about. So real quick, Respite, respite is meant to give a, a family that's fostering children, children that are foster care, uh, 
one to 14 overnight kind of ability for them to have a break, right? By being with a different family that's licensed through respite, a, a respite provider. And what happened was when my husband and I were nearing the licensing process to adopt through foster care, our licensing worker said, hey, um, I know like you've nannied a lot and I know your husband's a, an elementary school teacher. So clearly you have a lot of experience with kids, but on paper, you don't have children. So we need you to get some parenting experience. So it's pitched to us as, please go do this. So on paper, we can say you did this. But we got really, really lucky. And we ended up, um, we, we had two different um, times, actually three different times, two different families. There were, there were two boys that we helped one time, a four and an eight-year-old, and then a young man that was five. Um, and we were a respite provider. But again, coming from like the space of having nanny, and in my book, I even share all the questions we asked. Like we wanted to be as repeatable to the process. So kind of back to your point, Rob, of like, this can be a traumatic and unpositive experience. I think the reality is if you kind of zoom out of that, I mean, in general, any of us can grow up in kind of a healthy and positive or unhealthy and not positive, you know, so it's kind of the full granny, it's there. Um, and I'm sorry for your experience. I like to think, I mean, the, the boys that we cared for, the one gentleman that was five, he was in that process of getting adopted by a relative across state lines. So he couldn't go. Um, and we loved it. Although my husband at that point was like, since we've only been respiting for one child, I think we should adopt one. And I was like, no, 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 no. We're doing siblings. Like that is clear. If you're going to do up to two, we're doing them together. And the two boys that we did respite for, we've actually, we, we took them to church with us that weekend. And we learned as they walked into the kid's classroom that the teacher there was a preschool teacher, like at their school, like she knew them, like she called them by name. And we were like, what? So we ended up like, Having this beautiful connection, that woman ended up becoming one of my mentors. She also fosters, she's a single mom. Um, so we've had really positive relationships. The family that had the two boys ended up adopting them. We've been in each other's lives. So I had a very yeah, I love that. flavor. See, those, are all, those, are the, those are the stories I wanna hear. Those are the stories I want our listeners to hear because I have not had really nice things to say about respite once people say things based on the experience that they have gone through sure. right? and sure. they also say things based on the fact of people that you meet and, and the children that i've met and you know i remember when my kids were little and the adoption process had not happened yet and we wanted to take our kids to disney world and um immediately the birth parents said no and um and even though we knew they weren't getting their children back um because we were so far into the process um you know we had to go in front of a judge and the judge we had to get a judge to um place the order to allow our children to go to disney world and now as adult you know older 13 years has passed i understand the reason why they said no you know, I truly understand the reason why they say no. And and what would have happened to us? We just wouldn't have gone to Disney World, by the way. We just sure, it's a process. But I will say real quick, one more note on respite. And, and to your point, because you're like, I would think you didn't use that. Well, I, I didn't use respite, I think, in the terms of I didn't just go to a random person to take care of my children. Uh, there was a point where my husband and I wanted to take an anniversary trip just across state. And we wanted someone to care for our kids. But when, when your kids are technically in the state's custody still, you can't just leave them with a relative. And so I recruited my dad who kindly underwent the training. Uh, it was all online. So he became a respite provider. But I'll tell you, Rob, I mean, I remember being on the phone with my dad during that trip for like a solid hour where he was just, it, the behaviors, it was very different than anything he had ever been exposed to. 
Right. No, let me tell you something. We um, actually did the same exact thing you did. Um, and so I did I did not consider that respite. I considered that, you know, um, just like so many other families where, you know, and for our case, Mima and Papa came in and, and to give, you know, because got to understand we had four kids under the age of four within three months. And what I find kind of humorous is that you made the comment about how they wanted you to do it because you didn't have any parenting experience. Could you imagine my husband and I? I mean, here we are two gay men living in DC in the city. And you know, I changing a diaper wasn't even something I even thought about. And and all of a sudden, the next thing you know, we have four kids and, you know. And yeah, people and, become parents every day without any of the training. Like, exactly. It <laughs> Exactly. And, you know, I, I'm I love the fact that you brought up with your 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 kids were with your dad about how your dad was on the phone because of of behaviors. And, you know, um, I'm 55 and there are still times that something will trigger me from what I experienced as a kid that was in the system and understanding that trauma can hit a child at any time. You know, I want to jump back into the book for a second, because one of the things that I absolutely loved is that you did a lot of definition um for different things whether it was the parent you know whether it was the child um you really you know made this as granular as possible for the things that for me as an adoptive parent that I was thinking about and I want to tell you when I read this book I said this to you earlier there was nothing like this when when I was a kid growing up and there was nothing like this when my husband and I decided to have children and this would have opened our eyes in so many things but since you are so deep within the system and knowing the system I want to ask you um there is something that's happening quite a bit as we see children who are being adopted out of foster care and it's reactive attachment disorder it's um always been around but it's been very very prevalent prevalent um, in the last three to four years. Um, how, have you worried about that with your children? So yeah, so reactive attachment disorder, in case folks aren't familiar, it's also called RAD, so it almost sounds like a color red, but it's not. Um, you know, my husband and I knew we wanted to adopt older children, so we actually didn't, we did it in addition to the typical licensing process, we did like, I think they call it elevated needs, so we got additional training on, it, at our state, they called it an invisible suitcase. And that is that a child, and sort of like to cover cases point, it's invisible. It's not just a suitcase, it's invisible. But children bring with them, right? These, these things they've gone through. And to your point, it can trigger at any age, right? Um, my, my children have certainly gone through different behavior issues. Has that sometimes been some attachment and reactive attachment? Absolutely. Uh, my kids at the time when we adopt them, that adopted them, well, we met at age three and four and then adopted a calendar year later. So at four and five. And it's been really interesting, Rob, um, and as a family, we talk this all the time, is just this stark difference that the two of them had. My daughter went into care at six months old, so she doesn't really remember stability ever and doesn't really remember a lot of the details about what she was around, whereas my son remembers going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and to him, and, and putting words to it as he's getting older, right, that he always thought he was going to go back because that's what he thought. That was a kid, you know, you think as a kid, and so I think for him, some of those issues have been stronger because he just had this strong desire that he was going this way instead of that way. And I think it's hard, Rob. I mean, I, I, again, I didn't grow up in the foster care system, but one of my intentions with my book is really to help people understand the perspective of these kids. And I, and I call it a lot of really big words that are terms for fears and just different things we're thinking that we might not put words to, right? 
And I think so much of that is, is even going with reactive attachment disorder, understanding why is this happening? This isn't my kid hating me. This isn't my kid doesn't want to be grateful or adopted. I mean, so many people are like, aren't your kids grateful? And it's like, that's not, we don't go into this for our kids to be like, thank you so much. Like that's just a kid, right? But it certainly is part of the story. I mean, I think I, for one, would be mad at times that I was adopted. I think I would be mad to not have choice in that. And I would be angry at the choices people made that impacted me, right? And so I, I understand and I empathize with it. Uh, is it real? It is absolutely real. But I think unpacking it and fostering really good open conversation over our lifetimes to talk through those things and get the professional help, whether it's through a psychologist or psychiatrist, you know, play therapy, all those things we've utilized for sure. Um, has been really helpful just in unpacking the reality of what it is to be adopted from foster care. Yeah, and I will tell you, you know, I love my therapist. I see him every Monday and um, he's got helped me get through a lot. And like my children who all have also, and I do have a son who suffers from RAD and um, it did come out at a later stage. And it's so, it's so interesting. You're the first um, adopted foster parent I've met who actually had the same experience I did where I had two, I had a sibling group, six months old, um, you know, well, three months old the the youngest one came in but my my other son he remembers the being the boomerang kid um and how different the two of them are i totally get that listen everybody the book is the forgotten adoption option okay you have options each and every one of us have an option of how we build our family Okay, we truly do. And we need to know that 115,000, 115,000, just sink that in, that are children who are waiting for a forever family. So for those of you who have called me and said, well, I'm worried about the bio parents coming and yanking the kid back after I adopted them. No, listen, listen, you have options. Okay, you have options with this book. Marcy, you have another book that's out. Um, which my husband and I are so honored to be in. Um, um, when it, it is like, it's so crazy. You know, look at this. This is, I. Aren't you guys adorable? <laughs> this is the greatest picture. I love that my husband has had it printed out and he's having it framed. And we are just so hard to say that you and I are family when it comes to this. Because I do believe that when you become a foster parent or you adopt through foster care, you do, you know, enlarge your family. And you should take advantage of those. Listen, everybody, um, again, the forgotten adoption option. Um, we'll have the link on our Facebook page, on all of our social media platforms. I want you to get educated about this. But don't worry, Marcy will be back in November because we are truly going to talk about her, her new children's book. Because truly, what I said to Alex and I say to my kids and I say to everybody, Every child deserves a forever family. Until next time, we'll talk again. Hi, everyone.